We're beginning a series today calling it Hush. The topic we're going to be discussing is criticism. I recently encountered something that was the first thing that came to my mind when I started thinking about the subject we're going to be teaching you today. I recently boarded a flight and was headed to a ministry event that I was going to speak at. And as soon as I got on the plane, I knew that it was going to be a long flight because of the lady across the aisle from me. Maybe you've been there. Immediately, she became a criticizer. The seat was uncomfortable, so it was a lousy airline. Now, you and I both know that just because the seat's uncomfortable doesn't make it a lousy airline. But that's what she said. It's a lousy airline. And so we take off, and she wants to read. Well, there's not enough light in here. This is a lousy airline. Well, I'm cold. This is a lousy airline. They bring her a blanket. The blanket stinks. This is a lousy airline. They brought her some coffee. The coffee's cold. The coffee's terrible. This is a lousy airline. Now, friends, I, I want to tell you this morning, I, I don't mind mentioning this to you, that I know we're 30,000 feet in the air, but there was something inside of me that wanted to lean across the aisle and ask her to step outside. I just want to tell you that. <laughs> Maybe you've been in situations like that, like that before. All of us this morning in this worship experience have two things in common. We've all been critical and we've all been criticized. We, we've all had things come out of our mouth we wish we could have back. I, I don't know if you're anything like me, but there are times I, I say things and before it gets past my mustache, I know I shouldn't have said that. You, you just want to reach out and grab some things, you know, and kind of stuff them back in sometimes. My wife fixes this great chicken dinner that I really love and wasn't long ago she fixed it for me and I'm sitting there eating it and my wife Diana said to me, she said, Lynn, how's the chicken? I said, babe, the chicken's great. It was better last time, but it's really good. How many know I should have left that last part off? <laughs> I saw some of you cringe just when I said that. See, I've learned my lesson. Sometimes things just barely get out of our mouth and we want to get them back in. Also, in reality, we all know what it is to be criticized. We know what it is for people to say hurtful, harmful things to us. It doesn't seem like they go away either. It's almost like we become Velcro when somebody criticizes us and it, it sticks to us. You know, in my ministry, I, I can get a lot of compliments uh, through Facebook or, or emails or even regular mail. And it's about a hundred to one compliments to criticism. But it's at those times when you get those that come through that that are the critical things. That's what you remember that that's what sticks to you, you know, and we can all sing that song we learned when we were kids. All we want sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. But truthfully, people's church, words do hurt. They are hurtful. They're harmful. They're painful at times. Perhaps I'm speaking to some in this worship experience this morning. You've had your life altered by words that have been spoken to you. Critical words that have been spoken to you in a condescending manner cut you down, criticized you. 
Maybe it altered your life. Maybe those words smashed your dreams. Maybe it severed a relationship. Hurtful, painful words. I, I'm going to give just some examples of some things that I've heard, not necessarily spoken of me. And it, it's almost difficult to even say these things, but just so that we can put us all on the same page at the beginning of my talk today. I've heard things like, I hate you. You're lazy. You're such a bum. I've heard things like, I wish you were never born. Hurtful, hard comments, hard remarks. I can't stand this marriage. I want a divorce. I've heard, you're so stupid. Hurtful, painful comments, critical, that cut us deep, stick to us forever. Sometimes it's an honest mistake. Sometimes we're doing the best we can and still somebody criticizes us. I don't know if you're like me, but these things have happened to me. My first job as a teenager was at a Mexican restaurant over on Northwest 39th. I went to work as a teenager, my first job at a place called Poncho's. Maybe you've heard of it. Poncho's Mexican restaurant. And at Poncho's, it's an all-you-can-eat thing, which is of God. And it's all, so it's all you can eat. And at Poncho's, when you run out of food and you want more, you raise your flag. And then the waiter or the waitress comes by and they give you more food. All right. Now, uh, I went to work there as a teenager, my first job. Well, all right. Now, I worked my way up. I became a waiter. Okay. Friday night, it's real busy. A lot going on, real hectic. A guy raises his flag. I go over to the table, and here's what he said and how he said it. He said, I would like an enchilada beef. I thought he said, I want a lot of beans. I took his plate. I thought it was weird. But I went, I'm scooping on the beans, man. I'm going to tell you what I was thinking. I'm thinking his poor wife tonight. That's what I'm thinking. Amen. So I'm putting on the beans, man. So I take it back to his table. And you can imagine the look on his face when I set that plate in front of him with a lot of beans on it. I thought that's what he said. I wish he would have said, I want a beef enchilada, not enchilada beef. He began to call me every name in the book, several choice words. I was the worst waiter in the world. I think, though, on his way out, we kind of reconnected our relationship because I think he was telling me I was number one. He was waving a finger at me anyway. I, 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 I think. I, I don't know. That's, that's just what I'm thinking. All right. It was an honest mistake. I misheard the guy. But because of that, in his mind, I became the worst possible waiter in the world. Maybe you've been through something like that as well. And our talk today is going to contain four points. In the first two points of our talk, 
I want to talk to us about the importance of not being critical. Then in the last two points of our talk, I want to come back and talk to you about how to handle criticism when it comes our way. Friends, my purpose today is twofold. Twofold. First of all, I want the Lord to help all of us, myself included, that the next time we start to speak criticism or become critical, I want the Lord to help us to hush. And secondly, I want every person in this worship experience today to realize this, that God is a more powerful force in our life than any critical words that have ever been spoken over us. God is more powerful than criticisms and cutdowns that have come our way. The following five words. Words, tongue, mouth, say, and speak. Words, tongue, mouth, say, and speak. Those five words are recorded 3,000 times in Scripture. I get the feeling the Lord is saying something to us. It's important what comes out of our mouth. Proverbs chapter 18 and verse 21 says this. The tongue has the power of life and death, and those who love it will eat its fruit. Notice the first line in our teaching. The tongue has the power of life and death. James chapter 1 and verse 26 says this. If anyone considers himself religious and yet does not keep a tight rein on his tongue, he deceives himself and his religion is worthless. You see, we deceive ourselves, friends, if we think that critical words are not hurtful and harmful to other people. I often liken it to the teeter-totter effect, because I know that when people are critical, this is what they're really doing. They put somebody else down to raise themselves up. It's kind of a teeter-totter effect. See, it's trying to make themselves look better. And that's why a lot of people are constantly putting people down. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29 says, Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. Pay particular attention to the Word of God. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths. We're teaching on criticism today. Facts about criticism. Number one, you have your notes in front of you. Number one, criticism is a matter of the heart. Criticism is a matter of the heart. Luke chapter 6 and verse 45 says this. The good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart. The evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. For out of the overflow of his heart, his mouth speaks. May I share that last line with you again out of the word of God. For out of the overflow of his heart, his mouth speaks. So it's really a matter of the heart. It's really what's coming out of our heart. And I just want to insert here, because perhaps some of you today, and we've all heard people that do this, we, we struggle with criticizing ourselves even. I've heard people say, I'm so dumb. I'm such a klutz. I'm so stupid. You know, and then there's one school of thought on that that says, don't say it because you become what you speak. Be careful. You become. 
Now, friends, I really can't go along with that because I could stand here all day and say, I'm an NBA player, I'm an NBA player, I'm an NBA player. I'm... And the reality is I got short arms, short legs, and I jump a negative two and a half inches off the ground. That's the reality of it. So I really don't buy that. You know, I don't don't buy into that, you know, but I, I, I think it's important. I've heard another school of thought, too. Don't even think it, because if you think it, you become it. Be careful what, well, you know what, I can't buy that one either, because, you know, if you become what you think about, I'd have been a girl by the time I was 18. That's right. I'm just saying. So I'm just really not flowing with all, all of the, but you see, criticism is more than what we think and more than what we speak. It's a matter of the heart. Let, let me illustrate it with you right right here. We've, we've got a coffee maker. If you're a coffee drinker, shout, oh, yeah. If you don't like coffee, shout, yuck. Division in the church. I'm preaching on that in a minute. All right. Now, now we're going to go through the process here uh, of just make. We're not actually going to make it. I'm sorry at this point. But we're going to go through the process here. Because when you're making coffee at, at home and Starbucks is not accommodating you, here's what we do. We take the coffee pot and we, we put the water, you know, in, in the coffee pot. Now, now it's our goal now to make that water turn in to coffee. So we're going to need some coffee then. All right. So we're going to take our coffee here and we're going to scoop out some coffee and put it in there because we want it to be tur- to turn in to coffee. Now, how many know I'm missing something? If I take this coffee... And I put it in there, I'm going to get coffee, but I'm also going to get some grounds. Have you ever been drinking a cup of coffee and got to the bottom and there's some coffee grounds in it? All of a sudden you got wheezy and you could feel those grounds going around in your tummy. You know what I'm saying? It just, because you see, when you put the coffee in without the filter, you get some things you don't want in your coffee. So what we're going to do is we're going to take now the filter and we're going to place it in. And now we're going to be good to go because we're going to put the coffee now into the coffee filter. So now when the coffee, when the water runs through, there's going to get the coffee, but we're going to get coffee without the grounds. How many know that's better? See, so the filter filters out some things we don't want. Criticism is a matter of the heart. We're Christ followers. We have a heart for God. So then it would help us because we know people that think it and say it. But instead, if we could learn to run it through the filter, I think it, I'm running it through the filter, and now it's going to change what comes out of my mouth. Now it's going to be, now I'm not going to get the coffee grounds. We don't want that because I've run it. Through the filter of my heart. Zig Ziglar said this, and I quote, When you throw dirt at people, you're only losing ground. It's a reality, you see. It's a reality. Criticism's a matter of the heart. Number two, I want you to know this, that criticism eventually brings negative results. Criticism eventually brings negative. We don't have time to talk about all of the negative results that it would bring. But one of the things is division. It it brings 
eventually there's going to be division. There's going to be some negative result. It might be in your marriage. Eventually, it might be in your family, your workplace, your church. But eventually, it's like the chipping away of the ice block, you know. Eventually, it's going to bring about some negative results. I've been here, probably you have too. You've ever been in a room full of people? Somebody came in, they made a critical, snide, hurtful remark to you, and the whole room laughed. You tried to fake a smile. You tried to drum up some laughter yourself. But really, that critical remark was hurtful and harmful. A jab, a moment of criticism. Everybody else thought it was funny, but it hurt you. You see, friends, I want us to know today that criticism framed as a joke is still criticism. It still hurts. It's still harmful to people. Ephesians chapter 5 and verse number 4 says, Nor should there be obscenity, foolish talk, or coarse joking, which are out of place, but rather thanksgiving. Now, catch that. Foolish talk or coarse joking, the Scripture says, which are out of place. Then we have those people we call nitpickers. You've used the term nitpick. They walk into a room, they're looking for something wrong. Everything can be perfect, but they're going to find something wrong. Nitpickers. We've got a video to illustrate this. Check this video out. How do you ever wash that thing? Ain't washing it, girl. Oh, well, don't you worry. I'll do it. A pearl, uh, uh, now this here is what they call the drawing room. Drawing. Wait till you see this pie handy. The whole thing is hand painted. Here, yeah, Pearl. Ain't that just about the prettiest pie handy you ever did see? It's got pictures on it. Look at the dust. Granny, <laughs> did you run up them curtains? No, they was here when we came. Well, as soon as we get settled, I'll run up some new ones. <laughs> well, uh, Pearl, you know, it's a mighty big house. It'd take a miracle woman to get it all done. Looks like I'll come just in time, huh? Where's the kitchen, Jack? I'll show you. Thirty-two rooms in this house, and something tells me it ain't going to be big enough. <laughs> Did you ever have somebody like that in your life? Nitpicking, always looking for what could be wrong. But let's know this, friends. Eventually, criticism is going to bring some negative results. We're going to now transition to the last two points of my talk today. But before I do, can I just say this to you as a friend today? Someone that's communicating God's Word to you. Do not let unjust criticism stop what God is doing in your heart and life. I don't want some critical remarks from some people to alter what God's doing or stop what God is doing in your life. With that in mind, let's go to point number three. Critical people usually do not have all the facts. 
Critical people usually do not have all the facts. I know there are several verses here, but would you bear with me? Let's look at Nehemiah chapter 4, verses 1 through 3. It illustrates this point. When Sanballat heard that they were rebuilding the wall, he became angry and greatly incensed. He ridiculed the Jews, and in the presence of his associates in the army of Samaria, he said, What are those feeble Jews doing? Now, let's just stop right there. Notice, he can't just say, What are the Jews doing? He's got to get a little jab in there. He's got to do a little name-calling. What are the feeble Jews doing? Notice that. Will they restore their wall? Will they offer sacrifices? Will they finish in a day? Can they bring the stones back to life from those heaps of rubble, burned as they are? Tobiah the Ammonite, who was at his side, said, What are they building? If even a fox climbed upon it, he would break down their wall of stones. Critical people. Now, I want to tell you, these men didn't have all the facts, though. You see, it was back in Nehemiah chapter 1 that the Lord moved on Nehemiah's heart when he saw the wall had been torn down to rebuild it. Those men weren't there then. Nehemiah specifically went to the king to try to get permission to rebuild, and he received permission. These men weren't in on that meeting. They weren't a part of the leadership team. They didn't know what was going on, but yet they were critical. Oh, a fox will go up on that wall and it'll fall down. It's built so poorly. Critical remarks. Jab. But remember, friend, the next time someone's critical of you, listen, they don't have all the facts. They don't know what's going on in your life. They don't know the hurt and the heartache and the things that you're going through. They don't have all the facts, you see. I want to help you today not turn those critical remarks into offenses. We don't want to be offended because somebody's critical. And it's a little rhyme that I heard. I committed it to memory. I hope it helps you when someone speaks an injustice or criticism to us. Don't curse it. Don't nurse it. Don't rehearse it. But disperse it and God will reverse it. Amen. I want to give it to you again. Don't nurse it. Don't curse it. Don't rehearse it, but disperse it, and God will reverse it. Don't nurse it. Don't walk around acting wounded by it. Don't curse it. That's self-explanatory. Don't rehearse it. Don't talk about it all the time, over and over, but disperse it. Let it go. God will reverse it, friend. Isaiah chapter 34 and verse number 8 tells us that. For the Lord has a day of vengeance, a year of retribution to uphold Zion's cause. The Lord will reverse it. Don't let it turn into an offense to you. Number four, our final point in our talk today. Remember that criticism is one person's opinion. It's just one person's opinion. Acts chapter 5 verse 29 says this. Peter and the other apostles replied, we must obey God rather than men. Galatians chapter 1, verse number 10 says this, am I trying to win the approval of men or God? Am I trying to please men? If I were still trying to please men, I would not be a servant of Christ. Friends, those two verses clearly tell us that we as Christ followers are to strive to be pleasers of God and not men. Pleasers of God and not men. 
it's just one person's opinion. This past Valentine's Day, I was taking my wife to a brand new restaurant we'd never been to. We got on the website the day before and we were going to just take a look at the menu in advance. We got on there and we noticed a little place for comments on their website, so we clicked on it. And immediately the first comment that came out was said about this restaurant was, Lousy food, lousy service. My first thought was, that woman on the airplane's been to this restaurant. That's that's my first thought. I thought, oh no, we've already got reservations, we've already made plans, it's in a different city, we're already going. And now, you know, this comment, you're kind of just, well, we just just got to roll with it. But guess what, friends? We got there, great food, great service. You see, sometimes it's just one person's opinion. It's just what one person thinks. But we're Christ followers. We're striving to please God and not men. Walter Johnson was a pitcher for the Washington Senators in 1924 World Series. Walter Johnson was coming to the end of his career. He'd had a great one. But toward the end, it got a little rocky, got a little difficult. He struggled a lot. Walter Johnson's nickname was the Big Train. It's said of Walter Johnson that on his pitching hand, that literally his fingers were gnarled at the end because he had gripped a baseball so much. It's also said of Walter Johnson that he had thrown the baseball so many times over and over that literally his right arm had become longer than his left. Walter Johnson played for the Washington Senators. The World Series is tied three games apiece with the New York Yankees. Whoever wins game seven is going to win the World Series. Nine innings are played. It's tied. We have to go into extra innings. Manager John McGraw puts in Walter Johnson in the 12th. He's already lost two games in this World Series. Already blown it twice. Well, they're the home team. He's upset. The fans are starting to yell things. Take him out. Critical remarks at him. Walter Johnson Struggles through three innings to get to the twelfth. Walked a lot of people. He's not pitching well. But manager McGraw is staying with him. Finally in the twelfth inning. Two outs, but he walks the bases loaded. The crowd is getting irate. Take him out. Take him out. Take him out. Critical. Harsh words coming from the stands. Pretty soon, manager John McGraw surfaces from the dugout and begins to walk toward the mound. When he did, the crowd began to cheer. They knew that he was going to pull Walter Johnson out of the game because he was pitching terrible. But instead, manager McGraw walked to the mound, picked up the pitching hand, the right hand of Walter Johnson, placed it to his mouth, kissed it put it back down at his side, and turned and went back to the dugout. When he did that, the crowd began to boo. 
Boo. They were mad. They were irate. Now they're not only mad at Walter Johnson, now they're mad at manager John McGraw. He didn't pull him out of the game. Walter Johnson took the ball through three consecutive strikes. In the bottom of the 12th, the Washington Senator scored a run, and they won the World Series in the 1924 World Series. After the game, Walter Johnson's being interviewed by the media, and he was asked this question. You had pitched so terrible throughout the entire World Series. What was it that caused you to take that ball in the 12th inning and throw three consecutive strikes like that? You hadn't done that the whole series. To which Walter Johnson replied, I suddenly realized there was one person in the stadium who believed in me, and it changed everything for me. Friends, I don't know what kind of criticism has been spoken to you or about you. I don't know what kind of pain you set in this worship experience with today. I don't know if you feel like your friends, your family, your co-workers are all shouting at you. Take them out. Take them out. Take them out. But I do want to tell you today that there is one person who still believes in you, and his name is Jesus Christ. I want to tell you that no matter what anybody else thinks or what anybody else says... He's coming to you right now, and He's picking up your hand and placing a kiss on it just to remind you that He still believes in you, and He is still the healer of our broken hearts. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank You today that You are concerned about our hurt and our...